Good morning and greetings to all of you in Jesus' name. It's a real blessing to be here this morning again. I have uh, enjoyed the teaching and the discussions we've had in the Word of God. I've been blessed by it. This morning I'd like to preach, I guess I'm using a verse from the book of Proverbs kind of as a theme verse. And um, the inspiration for this sermon Last time I preached, I preached, it's been a little while ago, to the men and the young men, all of us, I guess, together, a little bit on respecting and honoring a woman and what the Bible has to say about that. Um, I guess I kind of had the inspiration out of that this morning to speak about what the Bible has to say about respecting and honoring the aged or the hoary head as the scripture says in our theme verse proverbs 16 verse 31 says the hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness now when this congregation was established in late 1988 the oldest person in this church believe it or not was younger than i am today and that was my father-in-law uh, if my calculations are right, he was 43 when they moved to Juniata County, and that's a year younger than what I am today. Well, we're 35 years further removed from that, almost 35 years, and things are a little bit different. Now, 43 turns into 78. People have gotten older, bodies change, hair turns gray. Some of our own have gone on to be with the Lord. They're no longer with us. And the, the sure and relentless passing of time continues to remind us of our mortality. I was reminded of the famous words of Longfellow, Art is long and time is fleeting, and our hearts, though stout and brave, still like muffled drums are beating funeral marches to the grave and that's just the way life is time continues on I'm sure you have probably all thought on how the four seasons of the year are somewhat of a reflection on the seasons of a person's life now we all love springtime spring is that time of new life those first green shoots of April those first green, fresh, new leaves that we see. It's like the birth of a child. It's new life. The beautiful, lush growth of May when the red buds and the dogwoods are blooming. Everything is bursting with life. It represents childhood and youth. But May transitions into June and into summer, summer of adulthood and perhaps marriage and raising a family. Summer is maybe the time of life we could think of between 25 and 50. Gone are the carefree days of childhood and youth, and they're replaced by the work of raising a family and raising children. Lots of responsibility. There's bills to pay. There's things to take care of. There's relationships to maintain. Summer is the busy time of life, the time to get things done before winter comes. Many of you here are in that stage of life. Fall could be the stage of life 
I don't know, you know, it's kind of hard to put numbers on these, maybe between 50 and 65, the time when hopefully life is not quite as busy, not quite as demanding as summertime. Children are maybe mostly grown and perhaps grandchildren are in the picture. The blessing of seeing another generation is perhaps being established and the body is showing signs of slowing down. This is maybe the stage in life when your mind tells you that you can do the things you did at 30, but your body doesn't quite keep up. And fall is a time of abundant life and beauty, but things are starting to wind down for winter. Winter always follows fall. Winter is a stark reminder that life will not always be in May and June. It will not always be like May and June. The lush greenery is replaced by dull brown and bare trees and cold frozen ground. Winter is the reality of every individual leaf of the oak tree dying and eventually falling to the ground. Winter is a message to each of us of the sure, inevitable reality of death, unless the Lord tarries. And so that's the cycle of our lives, kind of a reflection. The seasons are kind of a reflection of that. I'd like to read, I'm going to be thinking a lot about that verse in Proverbs, but I'm also going to be looking at some other scriptures. I'd like to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 12 just in, in, in introduction here and in starting out this sermon. <clears throat> Familiar passage to all of you, I'm sure. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And this is what Solomon has to say, the preacher. He says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now I understand there's different opinions about this passage and exactly what Solomon was talking about. And I'm not here to, to debate that or to, to make a case for one way or the other. But one of the most common interpretations is that this is an allegorical description of old age. It's a picture of the winter of life. A description of the decline of the body. 
the sun, the light, the moon, the stars are darkened. The mental faculties are not as sharp as they used to be. The eyes are not quite as bright. Um, and then there's other things that, that we could go down through and think about. But what I want you to remember or think about here especially is that the gist of this passage is to remember your Creator and to serve the Lord in the springtime of life. And that's especially for you young people. Um, most of this sermon might be directed more toward the older people, but this is something for you to take home. The time to serve the Lord is in the springtime of life. It, in that time when you are at your prime, when your mental faculties are sharp and your body is fit and you are able to do what you want it to do, that's the time to serve the Lord. Don't wait until winter comes and life is not so good anymore. When the evil days come, Solomon says, the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, life is just a lot different at 75 and 80 than it is at 20 and 16. I've not been there, but I, I'm sure you know that it is. I've not been 75 or 80 yet, but you know that it's different. Here's what Matthew Henry said about this passage or about verse 1. He said, How many are the calamities of old age and that if we should live to be old, our days will be such as we shall have no pleasure in, which is a good reason why we should return to God and make our peace with Him in the days of our youth and not put it off till we come to be old. For it will be of no thanks to us to leave the pleasures of sin when they have left us, nor to return to God when need forces us. It is the greatest absurdity and ingratitude imaginable to give the cream and flour of our days to the devil and reserve the bran and refuse and dregs of them for God. This is offering the torn and the lame and the sick for sacrifice. And besides, old age being thus clogged with infirmities, it is the greatest folly imaginable to put off that needful work till then, which requires the best of our strength. When our faculties are in their prime, and especially to make the work more difficult by a longer continuance in sin, and laying up treasures of guilt in the conscience to add to the burdens of age and make them much heavier, how can we expect God should help us when we are old if we will not serve Him when we are young? I thought that was well said by Matthew Henry. Young people, God wants you in the prime of your life. Now, the verse in Proverbs, I'm not going to turn to it. It's such a short verse, but I already quoted it. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. If it be found in the way of righteousness speaks of a lifestyle, a long a lifelong culture of pursuing after righteousness, of making wise decisions, of following Jesus early in life. That is the path that leads to the hoary head being a crown of glory. And that way of righteousness needs to happen when you are young. It needs to take place 
in the prime of your life. And it will set the trajectory, if that happens when you're young, it will set the trajectory to an old age, to old age being that crown of glory. So I'd like to think a little bit more about this verse. The hoary head. That's kind of a, a term we don't use a lot these days, but it's a King James term. Simply means gray hair or old age. That's what it means. I guess we could ask the question, what is old? And, uh, you know, the, the psalmist says, Moses said in Psalm 93 score year, if by three score and ten, and if by reason of strength four score, that was his, um, the words, the, the numbers that he put to, to our lives. But really the, the exact definition or settling on a number isn't important. But what is important is that those following after you, you ones that are older now, those following after you are seeing you walk in this way of righteousness. This way of right. If, if it be found in the way of righteousness, the proverb writer says, the hoary head will be a crown of glory. And that little phrase, crown of glory, some of the words that Strong's uses to define that phrase is beauty, comeliness, fair, honor, majesty. We get the picture. It's, it's an attractive spirit. It's an aura of peace and dignity and grace. It's the person where God's spirit is seen at work and coming out of even though the body is wearing out. It's that person, that older person that you know who is a pleasure to be with because of that lifelong pursuit of righteousness and because of a living relationship with Jesus Christ, it's, it's emanating out of that person from within. Now we owe every older person we meet with a certain dignity and respect. And that's a, that's a common theme, even for the most part in our society. Although I think that is changing. And I was actually a little surprised as I was doing some research um, on different cultures and how they treat their older people doing some searches. You know, there, there's a, a, a lot of articles that were popping up about why this idea of treating older people with respect is outdated. It's, it's dangerous. I even read an article that said it's dangerous. So there's, there's a sentiment out there and it's growing. Um, euthanasia is on the table these days. It's not just on the table, it's being practiced some places. And so this idea of respecting the elderly and caring and honoring those who are older is, is something that I believe uh, the world is losing out on. In times past, it was more that way. But we owe every older person a certain measure of dignity and respect because of who they are. Leviticus 19 verse 32 says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man 
and fear thy God, I am the Lord. So that was God's words through Moses to the children of Israel. You should rise up before the, the older man, the aged man, honor the face of the old man. And, and that certainly applies to an older lady as well. One of the things that, that I think even helped inspire this sermon was a few weeks ago, I was working out in Mifflin Town. It was a very hot day. Um, and Jake was out there. My father-in-law, Jake, was out there doing some grading. And I was inside the house. I was in the air conditioning. And he came walking up the street. He had been out back. And he had an older lady um, he was holding her arm and helping her walk. And here this lady had come walking up to him while he was on the skid loader, and she was lost. She said, I need help. Uh, I, and it was really obvious that she wasn't able to think clearly. She wasn't communicating well. She kept talking about her father and what his name was, but she didn't even seem to know her own name. And she kept bringing out little he brought her into the air conditioning and sat her down and we were trying to figure out what to do with this lost old lady. Um, she was bringing out her things out of her purse and trying to tell us what each of them was and it was uh, very confusing. We didn't know who she was or what she was doing, but the, uh, the man next door to the house there ended up taking her in his car and I don't know I think he took her to the sheriff's office but eventually he came back then and he told me that he found her husband she lived just a couple blocks up the road and apparently she had wandered out the door and uh, he hadn't known she had he said he his remark to her when to him to the neighbor man when when he brought her back was uh, did she walk off again? So apparently it had happened before. But I was reminded of the fact that you know, there there's several reasons why we should respect those who are older than than us, even person people like this lady who had lost her capability of thinking clearly. It's because, for one thing, um, we we owe all people value and respect. You know that's a general principle, but. The other thing is that all of us are headed that way. We're going to be there someday. And so we need to treat them with that measure of love and respect and dignity that we would like to be treated when we're at that age. And then also, um, I would especially like to think a little bit about those in our lives who have shown us by example what it looks like to be a genuine Christian. They are those people in our lives, those older people, our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents you might have, those who have, have been walking the way of righteousness. You owe them an extra measure of dignity and respect. We owe a lot to them. They have lived a life, a full life of maybe 80 or 90 years or even more and exemplified endurance in righteousness, in faithfulness to God through the years. That's something to be admired and respected. That's something that none of us can say. Those of us who are young, we can't say that. 
We haven't had that kind of endurance and that kind of faithfulness and that kind of commitment. And I believe that God wants us to bless and honor those among us who have given us that kind of example. It's not something to be taken lightly. And the time, the time to do it is today because soon they won't be here anymore. Soon they may be gone. So young people, honor your grandparents, honor your the older brothers and sisters in the church. Show them you appreciate them. Ask them their opinions and advice. Value the wisdom, the experience, the practical advice they have to offer. You know, take time to visit them and ask them to tell you about their life experiences. They went through the same things that you're going through many times. They were once, remember that they were once in the same place in life that you are at. They were facing the same temptations, battling the same enemy, experiencing things very similar to what you're experiencing today. Things change. We get that life. The, the world is different now than it was in 1920 and 30 and 40. But, you know, the core issues of life are the same. The problems of mankind are the same. They went through those same things. And so you can learn a lot from them. And so time continues its relentless march. The years go by. And after a while, young people, you will be in the winter time of life facing the same things they are facing today. So that's something for you to think about. Just like the seasons of the year come and go in their cycle, so the seasons of life cycle through the generations. So keeping that bigger perspective in mind, it will help us to be balanced. It will help us to have better relationships with people in our lives outside of our peer groups. Don't just think about yourself and your little clique of friends. Think about the bigger perspective. Think about the cycles of life and the generations, how that someday you're going to be in the same shoes as your parents. You're going to be raising children, possibly. You're going to be someday in the winter time of your life as well. Now, some exhortations from the Scripture to the hoary head, the gray hair among us. Psalm 92. A few verses there. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15, the end of the psalm. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Verse 13 says that they will flourish in the courts of God. David wrote this psalm and he was obviously in the setting of the tabernacle. He, I believe, was referring to the courts of the tabernacle. But today we could use the 
the church. Flourish in the church. I believe that in, I don't just believe it, I know it, it's true. In the church, the blending of youth and old age is something beautiful to see. We need the vitality and the enthusiasm and the energy of youth. It's a vital part of a church that is going to have life and future. We also need the stability and wisdom and experience of the aged. And if the pews where you older ones sit up here closer to the front here, if, if they're usually empty, if they're empty in a service, it really feels like something is missing. And perhaps you may be tempted to think sometimes that you don't contribute much to the church and not many responsibilities. The younger people have everything taken care of. Um, does it really matter if you're here or not? Well, I'm here to tell you that's not true. Your presence here means a lot and it tells a lot. It means you care about the church, for one thing. It means you're interested in the, your brothers and sisters. It means you're interested in the future of the church. It shows that you are still hungering and thirsting after righteousness, like we heard about this morning. You're, you are still open to learning and hearing the truth. And I suppose for an older person who gets tired easily and whose body isn't what it used to be, you know, there's probably easy to find excuses not to come. But keep coming. We need you here. I know you can't always come. But look for reasons to come, not reasons to stay at home. And then verse 14, it says, They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. God wants you to be fruitful in your old age. Spiritually healthy, it uses the words fat and flourishing. Even though you have been a Christian many years, you're never too old to keep bearing fruit. God wants to see fruit from your life today, not just from 30 years ago and 20 years ago. Don't just talk about that fruit, but talk about what God is doing in your life today. Your children and your grandchildren need to see God at work in you right now. And they need to hear that. It's like Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Sure, the body is growing older and perhaps failing, and it might not seem very fruitful at times. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The body may be failing, but the life within you is thriving. I hope that's true. I, I think it is true in your lives. I see that. I'm thankful for that. I want to bless you all for that. In, in that same chapter there in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so you can continue to bring forth fruit and to thrive spiritually because your source of life is not in your physical body. It's not from the physical, but it's the power of God within you. And you are connected to the vine of Jesus Christ and the sap that is flowing through that vine is his life-giving blood, the eternal life that only he can give. 
They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. That's a testimony. A man, a woman who has been faithful all of his or her life and is still bringing forth fruit in old age is a testimony that God is upright that he is alive. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. So thank you for showing us that. Psalm 71. Now I really didn't know that there was this much instruction and um, exhortation, maybe encouragement to older people in the scriptures. But here's another one, Psalm 71, verse 5. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the day of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation, and thy power to everyone that is to come. Those words in verse 18 just, they move me. And I hope those words inspire you uh, those of you who are here this morning with gray hair, I hope that that will be your prayer, that that prayer that David prayed can be your prayer, that he would help you to show his power and strength to your generations and to the generations coming after. How do you do that? Well, living a life of fruitfulness, like we talked about, is one way. Another way is through your words. David talks about that here in verses 15 through 17. He mentions it several times. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of, the right, of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. So talk about what God has done and is doing in your life. Tell your children and your grandchildren. Tell your church. You know, teaching doctrine is very important. 
But when you put it out in story and by personal testimony, you make that doctrine practical. You make it alive. You make it personal. And I really believe that in order to pass the faith heritage through the generations, we must know our story. We must tell our stories to our children, our grandchildren, to the generations coming after us. Psalm 78 speaks a little bit about that. Just over a couple of Psalms, David says, or maybe this isn't a Psalm of David. He says, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who shall arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And so there's a picture here of three or four generations where the stories are being told, the history is being passed, the faith and the values are being passed because they're telling it to the next generation. And so there is so much value into that generational connectedness. God designed the generations to overlap so that we can learn from those who live before us, so that we can hear their stories from their own mouths. Some of you might have great-grandparents that are alive today. I don't no, most all of my grandparents are gone. All of my wife's grandparents are gone. But I've known them. I knew them. I, I was able to talk to them and communicate with them um, for, for a number of years. And I, I value that. And we need to value that. We need to keep that generational connectedness. I don't know if that's the right term, but, but you know what I'm talking about. Connect with those who have lived life before you. And you as older people connect with your grandchildren and your children. There's another verse in Proverbs that says the crown of the hoary head is children's children. I don't have that word for word, but so much that, that one, of the glory of, one of the glories of an older person is his or her grandchildren. But God designed the generations to overlap and it's a living connection to the past. Your grandparents, those who have lived life before you, are a living connection to your past, to your history. It gives you bearing. It gives you roots. Now when you can look back in history and you have connections through the lives and stories of your grandparents or perhaps your great-grandparents or even further back, it really helps to set a trajectory for your own life. You can look back and there's connections and, and you come up with a trajectory and it sets a way forward for your own life. There's so many, it, you can get a good sense of where you are going and where you are now and where you, where you have been, how things have been. It, it shows you your story and it gives you a trajectory of, of where to go, where you're heading, and perhaps where you don't want to head.
Too many young people are growing up today with little bearing and direction outside of their own little world, their own little selves. And uh, I've heard the illustration or seen the illustration used of a hand. If this is your only focus, your only you, this is all you've got. You can go any direction in life. You can take any route your fingers point to. But if you've got a history and a bearing and you're connected to your past, you've got that trajectory, you've got a course that you can follow. This is a Psalm of David. I'm talking about Psalm, back to Psalm 71, where he says, I have shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. And I just had to to think that as David probably was writing this psalm at the end of his life, very likely, he was doing just what he was writing about here, giving his sons something to think about for the future. It's going to go to Titus chapter 2. I think I'll just let that. You know, there's no, uh, probably no sermon on the gray hair, on the aged person um, complete without thinking a little bit about the example of Caleb. And I'm not going to turn to Joshua 14, but you know the story of Caleb, how that he and Joshua were the only two spies who came back with a good report and said, we are well able to go and to possess this land. But their good report was drowned out by the faithlessness of those other ten and the negative report that they brought, and they said, we can't do it. And they were overridden, and God went on and he punished the children of Israel for their lack of faith and their unbelief. And Caleb and Joshua had to go and wander in the wilderness another 40 years because of the faithlessness of their peers, of their brothers, and I, had, I just had to think that if anybody ever had a reason as an old man to be cynical and bitter, it could have been Caleb because of what he had to go through. And, and I'm sure that you've met older people who are cynical and bitter. And it's not pleasant. It's not a good thing. But Caleb did not take that route. He said 40 years later, We'll come to it in our Sunday school lesson in Joshua 14. Joshua, they were ready to possess the land. Caleb said, give me this mountain. He said, I want to go. I want to take it. He said, I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40 years old, 40 years ago. I'm 80 years old now, he said, but I'm as strong as I was then. And I want to go. That is an amazing example for all of us, especially for you as older people, to bring forth the fruit that God wants you to bring forth fruit. You know, I, I really think there's a time for retirement from work and, and the physical things of life and all of that. We don't expect you to work until you die. 
and so on. But there really is no retirement from the kingdom of God. Okay, keep keep on being a Caleb in the kingdom of God. Uh, one last verse, two verses from Isaiah chapter forty-eight, verses three and four, and this is the Holman translation. Listen to me, house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been sustained from the womb, carried along since birth. I will be the same until your old age. I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you. I will carry you. I will bear you and save you. God bless all of you who have gray hair and have lived many years. Thank you for your input into my life and into what you put into this church. Let's kneel for prayer.